Well, once again, we just want to welcome each and every one of you to our service today, and we want to welcome you to the Word of God. There's nothing more exciting than to hear, to understand, and to believe God's Word and to know that it's alive within us. just want to mention uh, a couple other things. Um, uh, in the lobby, you will find a table that uh, is, has materials on it that's called Alpha. Alpha is one of those ministries that we believe in that um, is, is, is a great ministry. It's a great class. It's a 13-week class that we'll be uh, having on one, uh, Sunday nights here at church. And it's about those who have questions about Christianity. Now, that's me. I've been a Christian for, you know, 50-some years. And I, I, I believe that, uh, that I have questions yet. So if you have questions about the faith, if you'd like to go, grow more in your faith, I want to encourage you to check out Alpha. There's materials on the table back there, and you can uh, grab that. Also, uh, we've been doing this amazing series that God has, as Scott mentioned earlier, has really uh, done a, a profound work in the lives of many of us. And we've called it It's Personal. And as a result, we, we, have, um, we have some, many of you have asked us for bumper stickers, and we've wanted to know what to put on them. So let's see if we can, there it is. This is what, now you can't see it because it's kind of, uh, you know, you put it on your window and then it appears, but it looks like this. Hope Covenant Church is personal, and then the website. So um, we want you to put enough on your cars so that we have uh, uh, more than Cornerstone. Uh, so we need to have put 20,000 of these on our cars. So you may have to put them all over your car, but uh, that's, that's our, because you, everywhere I go, I see that. And I say, God bless them for doing that, but come on, Hope, we've got to do better than this. So uh, make sure you pick. Now, we, we don't have a lot of these. We didn't know how many you'd want, so pick one up after. They're three bucks, that just covers the cost, two for five bucks. And uh, we encourage you to pick up one of those and uh, do that. So let's talk about where we've been in our series to catch you up for those who are new. We've been talking about the fact that our faith is personal. Each and every one of us is personal. And the first week we talked about how that my relationship with God, it's very personal. And we talked about the outrageous, furious love of God, how that he wants intimacy and closeness with us. He is not interested in a handshake. He is not interested in a a kiss on the cheek. (laughs) He wants a marriage. He wants depth. He wants intimacy. He wants you all in and sold out for him. My relationship with God, it's personal. And so is yours. And then we talked about how that um, uh, my relationship with you, with other believers, is personal. That's the second week. And we talked about how that we need each other and that we, we can't do this thing that we call the Christian life alone. We are better together. And then last Lord's Day, we talked about my walk with Jesus, how that that's personal. And I challenged you last week in two ways. I challenged you to ask this question, how can I take one step closer to Jesus? On any given Sunday morning, if there's one thing I could leave with you, is that simple question burning in your heart. Like uh, those two people on the road to Emmaus, their hearts were burning within them when they walked with Jesus. When you walk with Jesus, how can you take one step closer to him? And we offered some suggestions last week. One was to make God's word part of your daily routine. Make God's word your daily food, your daily bread. Allow the word of God to be in you. We also encouraged you to make prayer your breathing. You're inhaling and exhaling. Prayer isn't just something you throw out there when you're ready to eat a meal. 
Prayer is the living, breathing dynamic of your relationship with God where you are sharing with Him your heart and He is, he is speaking to you. We need to be silent before God to hear Him. Then we encourage you also to make service your first response. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And the last thing that we talked about last week in your walk with Jesus is practicing the presence of Jesus. Brother Lawrence, 300 years ago, practicing the presence of Jesus. And and we challenged you, how can I take one step closer to Jesus? Then we challenged you, how how, how can I help someone else take one step closer to Jesus? How can I be in their life in such a way that they see the love of Christ, the light of Christ in me? How can I help others? And we defined evangelism this way. Evangelism is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and others to bring one person one step closer to Jesus. Now, to me, that's a lot better and a lot safer than knocking on doors. You know, I tried knocking on doors and I'm not very good at it. And plus, nobody answers the doors these days. They see you coming, you know, uh-oh, there's a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. They don't even answer the door. So what can we do to enable somebody else to take one step closer to Jesus? Well, one person, one prayer. Now, last week we gave you these cards, these one-step cards. There are more on the uh, welcome desk if you didn't get one. And I want you, if you haven't already, to put down three people you're going to pray for, three ways you're going to care for them, and three ways you're going to share with them with your words. That's what God wants us to do. That's taking one step closer to Jesus. Now, all of this is to once again cast vision, as Pastor David said, for our church. Connect, grow, and serve. Today... My service to God and others is personal. It's personal. My service to God and to others is personal. Last Sunday night, we had a wonderful banquet, an H2 banquet, where we talked about our ministry plan for the next few years. Thank you so much for being here. It was an amazing time. We had a a great turnout and great energy. But uh, one of the, the, a newer man in our church was uh, helping set up tables and tearing down afterwards and serving and, and doing that. And, and I said to him after the service, uh, thanks so much for helping. And he said, with all humility, he said, you don't really have to thank me for serving. I mean, you don't thank a cow when a cow gives milk. <laughs> That's what they do. You don't thank a bee when a bee makes honey. That's what they do. You don't have to thank me when I serve Christ in the church. That's what a Christian does. That's the attitude that I want to engender in us today. Ephesians 2.10 is a wonderful verse, and I'd like you to read it with me out loud. It's up on the screen. It's in your sermon notes. Let's read this together. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are created to make a contribution, not just consume. It's not about how long you live. It's about how you live. The Bible says we are created to serve. We are gifted to serve. We are never more like Jesus than when we are serving others. Isn't that beautiful? You are never more... Remember, the Bible says that you're supposed to have the mind of Christ and you're supposed to be like Christ. It says that all through the epistles. And if we're supposed to have the mind of Christ and be like Christ, what does that look like? It looks like serving. It looks like washing feet. It looks like going to Haiti. It looks like uh, picking up trash after a service. It looks like all of those things. We are never more like Jesus than when we are serving others. Uh, A mother was preparing pancakes for her sons, Kevin, age five, and Ryan, age three. 
Uh, the boys began, as boys will do, to argue over who would get the first pancake. Well, their mother saw this opportunity for a spiritual lesson. She said, boys, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. <clears throat> isn't, that, isn't that often what we do? Yeah, it's good. I know you should be like, Jesus, why don't you go first? Why don't you be first? You be... See, see, we need to rush to be like Jesus. We need to hurry to be like Jesus. We need to step to the front of the line to be like Jesus to serve. Matthew twenty twenty eight says, Your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. That's what Jesus said. We must rush to serve. Now, during this service, the 75 minutes, we're in this building on this, your particular service, 9 to 10, 15. These 75 minutes, did you know that there have been over 60 people during the work and right now that have served you to make this happen? We have people uh, doing the lights, the PowerPoint. We had people that put the PowerPoint together. We had people that cleaned the sanctuary. Last Sunday, we had people that took the chairs, stacked them up so that we could have a banquet and have youth ministry. To, and then Saturday, we had people take them down. And we had people that cleaned the church. And we have people that did landscaping yesterday and uh, breaking down chairs and, and uh, singing, practice singing and teching and uh, team for human trafficking that's serving you and angel food ministry that serves you. And, angel, and right now, nursery workers, we have ladies in the rocker, Rockers Guild that are in the nursery. We have people that came in and folded bulletins and on and on ad infinitum. Over 60 people have served you for this to happen. Serving is a Christ-like thing. Serving is how we look like Jesus. So, so what does it take to have a heart to serve like Jesus? Now, there's many, many things, but I just picked three out of God's Word to share with you today. Three things that helps us serve like Jesus serves. The first one is this. Serving like Jesus means being available. Okay, serving like Jesus means being available. One day, Jesus is walking down the road uh, to Jericho and some blind men, two blind men started yelling at him. And this is what we read in Matthew 20, 30 and 32. Uh, Two blind men shouted, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. And later we know that Jesus healed them of their blindness. But the key word in that verse, I believe, is stopped. Jesus stopped and he heard their cry. Jesus stopped and paid attention to these men who probably were the outcast, some of the outcasts of society. If you want to be used by God, you must be willing to be interrupted. And in order to be interrupted, you have to have some margins of time. You can't fill up every moment of every day 24-7 with stuff about you. We must have margins of time so that we can literally stop and serve someone else. Now, there's a wonderful story in Luke 10. You all know the story about the Good Samaritan. So the road to from Jericho to Jerusalem is a very difficult road. Not so much difficult terrain, but it was difficult because a lot of robbers used to kind of prowl along there. And it was a dangerous way to go, especially if you were by yourself. Well, this man was traveling along, and sure enough, he was set upon by some robbers, was beaten up, 
uh, robbed and stripped naked and left for dead. Now, as, as Jesus told the story, uh, three people came by and noticed what had happened to this poor man. Uh, the first was a priest. Now, a priest is a religious, educated man. Uh, he was a Jewish man, of course, and when he saw this uh, poor guy by the side of the road, I'm sure he thought, well, he probably needs help, but he's probably also a Gentile, and I can't touch him. I'm a, I'm a Jewish. I can't touch him. And plus, I'm an important man. You know, I've got things to do. I've got, I've got ministry to do. I've got to take collections. I've got to yell at people for their sin. I've got stuff to do. And so I'm going to, I just, I just can't really bother. So I'm walking right by. Next comes along a Levite. Now Levite is even, if any, if possible, more spiritual because he can trace his ancestry of, of religion back hundreds of generations. A Levite. He too was Jewish and he too looked at the man and he too wondered what he should do. And he too stepped over the man because again, he was very important, very busy had things to do, people to see, ministry to happen, and he couldn't take time for this poor schlep. And then a Samaritan man, Samaritan simply means he was a half-breed. A half-breed, you know, who, who pays attention to a half-breed? He wasn't this or he wasn't that. He wasn't Jewish. He wasn't Gentile. He was just in the middle. He was not very important, but he came along. He had pity on the man, picked him up, carried him to an inn where he paid for his health care, and uh, he was the one who ministered in Jesus' name. And Jesus asked the question, so which one of these, <laughs> which one of these behaved like me? God is calling us to behave like Jesus. God is calling us to make a difference in the lives of people who are broken and hurting God has called us to serve each other and to serve people in the world in the name of Jesus. Whenever we go out and do a church-wide ministry like Be the Church or Extreme Home Makeovers, when we do that, we go and the Bible says, as you give a cup of cold water in my name, it's as if you were giving it to Jesus. Whenever we help somebody in our community, whenever we lift them up, whenever we help them with food, whenever we help them with whatever we do, we, we, we literally are helping Jesus do those things. But in order to do that, we must be willing to stop. For Renee to go to India and then to Haiti, she had to stop her life. At great cost, she had to tell the hospital she works at, I can't work for a few weeks at risk, perhaps, of even being fired. I, I need some time off, and I know I'm not going to get paid for that time. And I'm going to go to India with Joyce Meyer Ministries, and I'm going to do medical missionaries, and I'm going to go to Haiti, and I'm going to do that. And, and she had to stop in order to serve. We have to understand what it means to be available, to stop. Proverbs 3.28 says, Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow. If you can help them now, hmm. stop our agenda, our needs, our thing, our desires, our plans. Stop and minister in the name of Jesus. John Wesley, that wonderful, he, along with he, he and his brother, uh, Charles Wesley, who started the Methodist Church uh, 170 years ago. John Wesley's one of his mottos was this. Listen to this. Do all the good you can by all the means you can. By all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. <laughs> now, that's a long motto. 
But the bottom line is, John Wesley said, you know what? I'm available. You need something? I'll figure it out. I'm available. My pocketbook's available. My time's available. My hands are available. I'm available. If we want to serve like Jesus, we have to make ourselves available. What keeps us from being available? Let me just tick off a couple of things. There, there are some barriers to us being available. One of those barriers would be self-centeredness. Now, last week we, we, we met the evangelism linebacker. I, I love the evangelism linebacker. You know, he said to the one guy, he said, you're selfish. He said, I'm going to blow you up, you know, because you're selfish. And sometimes we need to be blown up because we're selfish. Uh, self-centeredness is a barrier to being available. Philippians 2, 4 says, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Ooh, ouch. That's not very nice. What's that doing in the Bible? Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. You see, the number one enemy of compassion is busyness. We have no time margins. We hear the siren song of the urgent. Therefore, we don't do anything. You know what the problem is? We hang a do not disturb sign on the door of our heart. Said, just, I'm, I'm busy. Don't bother me. My plans, my dreams, my goals, my ambitions, my needs, they all take up all of my time 24-7. But to serve with a heart like Jesus, we need to take the sign down. We need to become vulnerable and available. And we need to say, Lord, help me. Help me not to be so self-centered. But there's another barrier to being available. And that barrier is um, perfectionism. I, oh, some of you went, uh-oh. Yeah, I heard somebody go, uh-oh. Yeah, that's, I just went from preaching to meddling. And uh, when you talk about perfectionism, perfectionism is the when-then syndrome. We all know the when-then syndrome. Um, when things are just right, then we'll have a baby, right? When things are exactly as I have them figured out, then we'll do this particular thing. When things are all set and perfect, just the way I think, that's when things will really start getting better in our lives. And when that time happens, then perhaps maybe I can serve someone other than myself. The when-then syndrome. Then I can settle down. Then I'll serve. The problem is that, well, for most of us, then never comes. Uh, Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you're, you'll never get anything done. <laughs> well, if I can't serve first class or if I can't serve with excellence, then I won't even try. Now, there's a Greek word for that, and that Greek word is hogwash. Uh, because, <laughs> actually, it's not really Greek. But, but if you think that you can only serve when all the conditions are perfect, that's just not the case. Our science says no perfect people allowed. You give your best in service to God and God will always bless it. There is a story that you know in John chapter 6 of a boy who was at this evangelistic rally and uh, there were thousands of people there. And as Jesus was preaching, the crowd got hungry and they had no food. They had no, uh, you know, they had no Domino's pizza buy. So they, what are we going to do to feed these people? Little boy on the front row, he was carrying five loaves of barley, which are like little biscuits, and two fish, two small mackerels. So that's what he was carrying. That was his lunch. That was his food for the day. And uh, if he had a thought, which most of us would think, if he had a thought, you know, what is such a meager amount for these thousands of people? 
I'm not, it would be embarrassing for me to even offer them to Jesus because it's so small and so insignificant, it will do absolutely nothing. Well, you know what God did with that insignificant lunch. You know what God did with that bologna sandwich, chips, and an apple, right? You know what God did with that lunch. He fed thousands of people. When they were done, they collected 12 baskets of fragments, pieces of fish and bread that were left over. God took his little amount and made a miracle. And God wants to do the same with you. God wants to take your imperfect service, your halting starts and stops, your, your words that get confused and upside down when you're trying to bear witness, your, your fumbling acts of service. He wants to take all of that as if they were loaves and fishes And do a miracle. But you can't do that if you're always waiting. God has called us to serve with a heart of love and compassion and then let God perfect it. That's one of those barriers to availability. The last barrier to availability is simply materialism. We know that. No servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and and money. In the King James Version, it says mammon, but literally it means money. You cannot serve both God and money from Luke chapter 16. People with no financial margins. See, this is hard. You know, I don't try to, I don't preach about money too often a couple times a year. This isn't one of those. This doesn't count, by the way. Uh, so don't, you know. So, but, but uh, for every dollar in America that's spent, or excuse me, for every uh, yeah, every dollar that's spent, um, we are actually spending a dollar six. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, it's called credit. <laughs> it's called credit. So, so when you spend a dollar, you're actually spending a dollar six, and that six cents becomes a 12 cents, and it just snowballs, and pretty soon we're in debt, and we have no financial margins. We have no ability. See, and when you have no financial margins, when you're not doing money God's way, guess what? You have no ability to be generous. One of the greatest gifts in, in, in the kingdom is the ability to be generous, to live differently, to do things completely differently, to be generous. When someone has a need, to, to meet that need, instead of saying, oh, I've got to go home and figure out the budget. God wants us to be generous. He wants us not to be trapped in materialism. I'm going to be a kingdom builder, not a wealth builder. God wants us to be generous. You know what? It's great, you know, it's great to save. We all need to save retirement and college and all those kinds of things. And that's good. Uh, but let's be really honest. There's not going to be any Mayflower trucks backed up to St. Peter's gates. Just not. We're not going to take anything with us except our character. God wants us to be generous. So serving means being available. But it also means something else. Serving... Like Jesus means being grateful. Um, one of my greatest memories is when I, my eighth, eighth birthday, it fell on a Saturday. My father had a small boat and we lived in San Diego. And so almost every Saturday during the winter and spring, he would go fishing with, with different guys from the church. And he would take our pastor and different friends. And, and I would say, Daddy, when do I get to go? When do I get to go fishing? He said, son, you're not old enough. I'm sorry, you're not big enough. I don't want to, you know, you just be like chum. You know, I, I see, he's, I'm trying to protect you. I, it's free, but someday you'll be able to go. On my eighth birthday, it was a Saturday. He woke me up at four in the morning. 
And he said, you're old enough. Eight years old. And so I threw my clothes on and I went fishing with my dad for the first time. And I caught a 12-pound barracuda. It was bigger than I was. And it was awesome. And I had a great day. And when I came home after that day, I was so filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. I, I didn't know how to contain myself. Sure, I said thanks to my dad a thousand times. But more, I, I said, how can I help? I, I, help clean the boat up. So wash the salt water off of the boat. What, what else can I do? Can I help clean the fish? Uh, can I help? Do you want me to vacuum? Do you want me to mow the lawn? I just was so filled with thanksgiving. My only response was, how can I do something for somebody else? That's what Christianity is. When you experience God's enormous love and His his furious love is set upon you, when you know that to be true, when Jesus is alive in you, how can you do anything else except how can I serve God in His church? How can I do it? I'm just filled with this love. God has served me by washing my feet, by dying on the cross, redeeming me. How can I in turn show somebody else that love? For 2 Timothy 1.9. Serve the Lord, excuse me, uh, Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. And then 2 Timothy 1, 9. It is He who saved us and chose us for His holy work. Not because we deserve it, but because it was His plan. When I recognize what God has done for me, when I recognize how much He has loved me, my only response is to love Him back. And we know what it means to love God back. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. John chapter 20. We know that. That is to serve the body of Christ. The spring of 2000, I had been told by our denomination, uh, the board of ministry, that I, my ordination was reinstated after being out of the ministry because of a gambling addiction. So the spring of 2000, I was working uh, in Minnesota as, uh, for Quicksilver, uh, a courier company, while I was out of the ministry. And a song came on the radio and the song was Rivers of Mercy and Oceans of Grace. And I had to pull the car off the side of 694 and I just wept because God had given me a second chance. God had given me, I didn't deserve it. I, I, I I had no way to earn it. But God was giving me a second chance. I wonder how often you have received a second chance or a third chance or a 20th chance or a 200th chance. And you see, out of that sense of great thanksgiving to God, out of that sense of great love for Jesus and getting a second chance, the result of that has been my service as a pastor to you for the past 10 years. My service as a pastor to you comes from a deep sense of humility and gratitude. It doesn't come from wanting to be the best pastor. It doesn't come from needing to have control or anything else. It comes from a, a, a place deep within me of humility and gratitude because God has loved me and served me so well. We don't do good deeds to show how wonderful we are. We do acts of service because God is wonderful to us. Serving like Jesus means being available. It means being grateful. But it finally means, serving like Jesus means being faithful. Look at this next verse, 1 Corinthians 4.2. The one thing required of servants is that they be faithful. Sometimes that means just showing up. Right? Um, Renee, sometimes it means just, just going to Haiti. <laughs> just going to India. 
Sometimes it just means showing up at your neighbor's, the plate of cookies. Sometimes it means showing up at the Navajo reservation 20 times in the last six, seven years. I don't know. Sometimes it means showing up at um, Streetlight where we do a ministry. We're helping with a ministry uh, to girls who have been trafficked. Sometimes it just means showing up. We, in our denomination, our president is Gary Walter, who's a wonderful man. And he wrote an article in the last Covenant Companion about, um, he went to the Congo uh, for a ministry trip. And when he got there, the Covenant brothers and sisters there in the Congo, we have more baptized uh, members of the Covenant Church in the Congo than we do in the United States. You think the gospel is alive in other places? So there's literally tens of thousands of Christians in the Congo that are members of covenant churches. And when Gary Walter, the president of the denomination, shows up, uh, so many pastors came up to him and said, uh, President Walters, thank you. Thank you for sure. Your, just, your presence here means more to us than anything. Just showing up says that you haven't forgotten us, that your people are still praying for us in the United States, that, that, that there's still work to be done. Just, just showing up has made all the difference in the world. Do you recognize that sometimes, that just a matter of, of showing up? Hope shows up when people who care show up. Uh, Jim Blackburn uh, does a ministry on Tuesday nights he goes to rest homes. Actually, they're uh, intermediate care homes. They're, they're not for necessarily for elderly people, but they're for people who are being rehabbed from injuries and like that. So they're mostly younger people. And he goes there every Tuesday night and he shares the gospel with them. And every Tuesday night, someone comes to Christ. Uh, he just shows up. Now, they pray before they go. They pray as they're there, but, but he shows up. We have a, a, a huge problem in our world And it's come home to us here in Phoenix, problem of human trafficking, especially young girls who are trafficked. And uh, there's a ministry called Streetlight that's trying to make a difference in that, and we're trying to partner with them. But when we look at this ministry, uh, and we look at what we can do, sometimes it's a matter, uh, and Pastor David and Joyce Voter helped heading up this initiative, we say, what can we do? What can we do? Well, sometimes it's a matter of showing up, because we show up and we try and help, and we try and lend a hand, and God says, okay, I'm going to take that loaves and fishes, and I'm going to do something with it. In our leadership retreat, we went out to a streetlight, and we met a young woman by the name of Carolyn Jones. And Carolyn has a remarkable story, and uh, I want her to share her story with you. So, Carolyn, if you want to come up here uh, for a moment, I'd love to have you come up and share with us. And as uh, Carolyn is coming up, uh, she has a story that um, will literally uh, transform your way of thinking about serving others. Uh, She was served lovingly and graciously, and as a result of that, she wants to serve in return. So, Carolyn, welcome. Sister, it's great to see you. Thank you, Thank you for you. coming. Yeah. Thank you. I'd love for you just, just to share your story. I, I heard it at Streetlight, but just share your story. And if you get to preaching, it's okay. Okay? So just share your story with our folks. First of all, I want to tell your whole church, um, I'm honored and I'm, I'm thankful to be here. I'm really grateful that you guys have extended your love, your care to Streetlight and just being involved, you showed up. Yeah. It's so awesome to have people that show up in somebody else's pain. And I remember 
being in the world and the life that I come from. Basically, I was a young girl that family, mother and father split up. And when that happened, it's not that this was a bad parent or that was a bad parent. But nevertheless, when they split up, I split in two. And so when my, so every time something got hard in my life, I learned how to run at a young age. I didn't feel pretty enough. I didn't feel smart enough. I didn't fit, feel like I fit in at school. I didn't fit in this family with my mother and my stepfather. I didn't fit in this family with my father and my stepmother. I didn't, you know, I just, I didn't fit in anywhere. And I was always looking around to where do I play a part? Where, where do I go? And then I just remember, um, not feeling pretty as the other girls in school, and I didn't measure up. And I remember at the age of 13, I remember getting molested. And I remember at that time feeling so much shame and for whatever reason was led to believe or some kind of way in my mind, it got twisted that it was my fault that that happened. And so I always walked around thinking people could see that. So as a result of that, um, and feeling like I had to hide it or it was a shame and not having nobody I can talk about this to or discuss this with, I covered it up. And I kept putting other stuff on top of it. I don't feel good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. But I'm this, you know, I don't feel, I ain't smart in school like the other girls. I don't fit in. I don't measure up. And so I compounded and kept putting that molestation and all of that. All that stuff on top of all of that. Rejection. And then, so I remember at 15, I just ran away from home. And when I got to the world, the world welcomed me. The men in the world, they said I was pretty, and I believed they, they, you know, and they told me all these things. So they started manipulating me. I was an easy target because I felt rejection, didn't feel pretty, all of these things. I was a good victim. And I remember a man coming to me at the age of 15 telling me that if I go to a motel room with him, that he uh, give me $100. And I ran away from home, and I fit in in the world, because now I can wear a mask. I can be anybody I want to be. I don't have to try to be a good girl anymore. I don't have to try to be smart in school. I don't have to be none of that. And this man told me he'd give me $100 if I go to a motel room with him. And I put on a little girl's mask like I didn't know what I had to do when I got there. And immediately he explained to me that I needed to trace my body for that $100. And I remember feeling ashamed. Now I'm going to run away. I'm going to drop out. Um, you know, I don't feel good. I'm going to reject all of these masks. And now on top of it, I'm going to run away and I'm a prostitute. And for at that time, guys, it was for a way to survive because that's the way I made it. That's what I had to do in order to live as a teenage girl on the streets or run away. And then as time went on, it was a way to support a drug habit, to cover up the shame. And then one day, the, the, the drugs did, didn't work anymore because it was no, it, the pain had grown too, too bad. And here in Phoenix, as, at the end of my life, that lifestyle, I remember here in Phoenix, there was a serial killer here in Phoenix. And he started going all over the valley killing these girls. These are the girls that I was drinking with, that I had been to jail with, that um, I ran the streets with, I did drugs with. These, they're finding their bodies all over this valley. And he was finding them in alleys and dumpsters. And one of them women they found was my oldest sister. And when they found my sister out there dead like that, I told God, and they found, out of six women they found, I knew four of these girls. 
I went to school with in my neighborhood. And I told God, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll go wherever you say go, and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll be available. And I just asked him to just just pull me out. You want to ask I Keep yes. going. Keep going. Okay, Sarah. and I just told him. I just told him. I said, Lord, here I am, as I am. I said, for the rest of my life, I'll give it to you. I'll be available to do whatever you want to. I don't see nothing left. I don't see nothing but hurt, shame, guilt, pain, drugs, alcohol, prison, shooting, getting shot, being stabbed. This is all I see. But if there's something you can use in me, here I am as I am, as broken as I am. I don't want to wait until I get it all right. Lord, just take me as I am because I give you the rest of this life. I'll give it all to you. And I said, I'll go anywhere you say go. I'll say whatever you say, say. I'll do whatever you say, do. I'm not proud to stand here and say, I used to be in prison. I was a prostitute and I used to be on drugs. But I told him with my big mouth, (laughs) if you pull me out, I'll go back and I'll go back and I'll do whatever you say, do. So now there's some babies out there that's crying and dying. And I know this because I've been out there and I've watched this. But, see, I couldn't do nothing about it then because that's the law of the game. You stay out of other people's business. But it's my business now. Amen. Amen. It is my business. It was my business then and it's my business now. No longer will I stand back. And I don't have no fear. I, I, I just don't. I don't understand how to be afraid about this. I'm more afraid of not going back, Amen. grabbing one of them babies, and say, come on, baby, i got a place for you to go. There's a safe place that's going to meet your mental, physical, spiritual, emotional needs. Somebody that pulled me out, and there was a group of people that came along and said, come on, Curly. But as a child, nobody heard those cries. Nobody, I didn't know who to talk to. Those issues, molestation and drugs and all of that and teenage pregnancy, all that was covered up. You don't talk about these things. But I'm so grateful today that today I'm free enough to say, yes, I was. Yes, I did. And now that God have allowed people like Street, like Pat McCullough, that, have, that, that came along and say, I was like, that's exactly what they need. So a group, a team of people that say, come on. And then they would come and get me. And I don't feel worthy. I don't feel worthy that God would allow me to stand here and be the one. And I, don't, I, I know today that any one of those girls, my sister, any one of them could be the one that's here. So I don't have no other choice. But where much has been given, much is required. I've been given a lot of grace. I've been given a lot of mercy. I don't have to be ashamed of what I've done. and where, It's just grateful what God brought me from. It's no longer will I be ashamed. You don't tell people that. You don't tell them. I'm telling everything. <laughs> I'm going to tell everything. And yeah. I told him. I'll tell the world. I told God, I'll tell the world what you've done if you get me out. And that's what I'm here doing today. Amen. And I thank you. Right, thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. Uh, um, we, we know that Streetlight is a wonderful ministry. Now, you're going to be working for them. Is that correct? That is what correct. are you going to be doing, and how can we pray for you, and how can we support you? The one of the things that I'll be doing is I'll be working one-on-one with the girls 
I will be loving them. I will be allowing them to understand that they're the head and not the tail. They're above, not beneath. That they fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to be able to plant that in their spirit. I want to be able to love them. I want to be able to love the one that's hard to love, that's angry, bitter, got his head moving like that. I want to reach that one. (laughs) That's the one I want. That one that's going to be hard to love. I want to be able to let them know that through God's grace and that there's people here that love them, that care for them. That want to be a part of their life. I want to educate and let people know I'm the voice. I want to be a voice. My voice didn't get heard. I want to cry out for them. I'm going to let them know. And that's that's what I want to do. I want to give what I wasn't given. But then now that what God gave it to me, maybe years later, but nevertheless, I know the need. And I want want prayer. I want prayer. That's what I need. Some people's job is just to pray. Keep me covered because I'm not scared of pimps. I'm not scared of drug dealers. I'm not scared of none of these things that these babies are going to be coming from. I'll lay down my life. I'll do whatever it takes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carolyn. Let's let's tell her how much you appreciate this. Thank you. Would you remain standing with me, please? Father, sometimes it's just a matter of, uh, of showing up. And, it, and it's scary. Lord, there are times that you've called us to serve you in, in ways that we don't fully understand. But, Lord, because of this enormous grace that you have given to us, because of this incredible grace and love that you have shown Carol, and she in turn is able to share with others the love of Jesus. And so, Father, I just thank you and praise you for what you are doing in her life. And I thank you, Father, that you have given us the opportunity to share with others the love of Jesus. Lord, we want to serve not because it's the right thing to do, but because you have loved us and graced us so much. We want to love you back by loving others. So, Father, help us to know what it means to show up. Help us to know what it means to take a risk, to step out, to be available, to be faithful, to be generous. Help us to know what it means to serve not only the body of Christ, but to serve the world so that the light of Jesus will be seen and known and understood. So, Father, thank you for this wonderful word. And we pray now, Lord Jesus, that as we uh, conclude this worship service, that you would touch our hearts and help us to know what it means to not only take one step closer to Jesus, but to help someone else take one step closer to Jesus as well. For we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and all of God's people together said, Amen. 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 Would you be seated, please? I just want to say-